Yo, welcome back to the 1497 podcast, baby. You know the vibes. It's one of the last weeks of April. We're going into May. That means we're very, very close to summertime happiness, baby. It's your boy, Jonathan Keaton in the cut. Right beside me is the great, greatest co-host to ever touch planet Earth. That's the man, the myth, the legend himself, Michael Wood, a.k.a. the Woodster, a.k.a. Mr. Wood. Mike, how are you feeling on this Monday, man? I'm good. Uh, today I started my internship. It's my first ever internship. I've had jobs in the past, but internship, uh, it's a new uh, new avenue. But uh, it was great, great Monday. You know, I always love to start the week and uh, it's a little later than we normally go. Um, but I'm glad to see your smiling face here on a Monday. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing doing pretty good. You know, just been watching these playoff games, relaxing, doing school stuff. Other than that, just living the dream just living the dream i mean listen i've been watching playoff games too unfortunately i'm assuming we've both watched the bulls game and i don't i i don't really want to dive into uh the frozen and uh lagon or i guess i can't do lagon that's lebron's thing but whatever levine being kind of garbage but what we can start with is uh also in the east 76ers Joel Embiid and the 76ers were on the verge of sweeping the Toronto Raptors. Scotty Barnes comes back from injury. They win a game. Raptors win a game. But then all of a sudden news breaks that Joel Embiid needs surgery on his hand. Nonetheless, his shooting hand. What does this mean for the 76ers moving forward? Do they do they at least close out this series? Listen, I think their backs are going to be against the wall a little bit. I think Toronto is going to come out and win this game because usually – when you're on the verge, when you're on the brink of getting swept and you get that game where you get that, you get that win in that game four, you kind of feel like you're kind of in like miracle mode. You're like, we can win the next game and the game after that. We just need to know how to play in those next games going forward. So I think the 76ers are going to need to start worrying because Joel might not be their main factor because that thumb is going to bother him. So James Harden's going to have to step up. Tobias Harris is going to have to step up. Tyrese Maxey's going to have to step up. And we've seen in the past when James Harden lights all on him and he needs to step up, James Harden hasn't stepped up. So I wouldn't say this is pure panic mode for the 76ers, but 76ers fans might need to start worrying, not from the series, but later on in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think especially considering the fact that no team has come back from a 3-0 deficit. And listen, even if Joel Embiid didn't play the rest of the series, I trust in the rest of that 76ers lineup to win one game um, of the next three. And they will have Joel. He's going to be a little – I mean, he's going to be handicapped the rest of the playoffs. But I I think he'll be fine to win this – at least one one more game in this series, but most likely he'll be facing the Heat in uh, in round two. And I, I don't see a way that I don't see a way that Philadelphia beats the Heat, even with Joel Embiid completely healthy. So I don't know how much it really impacts what what they had going this season because personally I didn't think they had anything going uh, as far as title shot. But it, it's going to hurt Joel Embiid and the 76ers because they now probably have no shot of advancing passes. Actually, they have no shot 
of advancing past the second round. I won't mince my words. No shot for the 76ers. I think the 76ers, if Joel Embiid was fully healthy, they'd be able to beat Miami. I think Bam Adebayo wouldn't be able to contain Joel Embiid and the guard play because you you also got to think about the timetable of Kyle Lowry's return. And I don't think they're going to really do what they're doing against Atlanta right now towards the 76ers because I think this or the 76ers defense is way is way better than Atlanta and Atlanta's not as deep as they were last season which I think is a big reason why they're struggling because outside of Trey Young there's not really a consistent high score on that team besides Trey Young and John Collins coming back is good for them in the scoring department but he's not really he's not really able to produce in the series because it's not like they can't really create a shot for themselves besides Trey Young on that team. And when they do, they just can't hit him. And there's just a lot of mental stuff going on too. A lot of lackadaisical errors on the offensive side for Atlanta. So I think for Miami, this is, I thought this was going to be a tough series going six or seven, but the next game Miami plays against them, I, they're closing out the series against Atlanta. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely with you is the fact that they're closing out Atlanta. The one thing I don't necessarily agree with completely is the Kyle Lowry situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nets won by, was it 24? Yeah, tw- they won by 24 points yesterday. Uh, no Kyle Lowry. And Gabe Vincent stepped in as the, in the second role and played pretty well. He had 11-4-3. and three. Uh, The one thing that they, do, they will miss from Kyle Lowry is leadership and uh, veteran defense. Uh, like he makes he makes a bunch of smart plays. I believe he was like second in the league in uh, charges drawn this season. So he'll definitely he'll definitely be missed in a series against Philadelphia where they got to play against Tyrese Maxey um, and James Harden. But honestly, I think uh, Kyle Lowry being out allows for some quicker guys to be on the court to defend Tyrese Maxey, who's extremely quick, and James Harden, who when he wants to be can be virtually unguardable. But um, I just don't see. Um, Joel Embiid being injured uh, and James Harden playing because James Harden is not playing great basketball in the playoffs so far. I just can't see the way that this team is playing, even with Joel Embiid. I can't see them because uh, right now Harden's averaging 19. He's averaging 19 and 10, which is like that, those are good numbers. Um, but those are similar to numbers that, that uh, we, we've seen like role players put up. Like Tobias Harris is right there averaging 18 and 10. So we expect more from James Harden, and we're not getting it. Maybe he steps it up with, with Embiid hurt. Uh, but if he doesn't, I think the Heat would, will beat them in five games. And this series is all about – it's going to be all about role players too because of Kyle Lowry being out for Miami, if he's out for that series, and Joel Embiid possibly being out too because the guys that they – the guys that Miami has, they all have something to prove. Or I wouldn't say all of them. Most of them have something to prove, like Tyler Hero, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, uh, Gabe Vincent. The list goes. The list goes on and on and on. And then for the 76ers, Tobias Harris is a guy that I'm really looking forward to in the series because in the regular season, Tobias Harris was an inconsistent player. And same with that 76ers bench. And now that 76ers bench is depleted 
because they acquired James Harden. So James Harden's going to really have to step up in the scoring department because I think Philly fans are analyzing the situation as, okay, this is literally Ben Simmons in a, in a nutshell without the immaculate defense. So why did we trade all of this get, just to get James Harden? And if James Harden doesn't start performing in the games that matter, it's going to be a really big problem because in the last game to close out the series, he didn't play that good. And now we're going to be looking at him again to close out the series again to see how does he play if Joel Embiid doesn't play. Yeah, and the, the big thing with me and the Harden trade is I think we said it on here after because the first week James Harden was there, he played really good basketball. It, it was like they gave up a lot of players, but if James Harden's going to play like this, this team won the trade because they look like a team that can win, win it all. Um, and especially with injuries this year, you would have thought um, if Harden kept up the way he was playing, this team would honestly be a, a championship contender with the Bucs losing Chris Middleton, um, the, the Suns losing Booker, and then really just the two heavyweight Celtics and Heat. Uh, remain but and now that he lost Lowry so it's like it would probably be between the Sixers and the and the Celtics if Joel Embiid or if James Harden continued to play the way he was playing in the beginning but he didn't he stopped playing that way I don't know what happened seems to always happen in James Harden and listen 19 and 10 are almost 20 20 and 10 those are not bad numbers they aren't those are good numbers but when you're supposed to be a superstar a top 10 player in the league uh, when a team trades nearly their whole bench for you, you're supposed to step up and, and be a player that can play alongside a play at an MVP level. I didn't, in all honesty, this team thought they were getting two MVPs uh, and it just didn't work out that way because James Harden, his 20 and 10, I, I would much rather have Chris Paul's what 17 and 10 or whatever Chris Paul averages because Chris Paul brings leadership. Chris Paul's a better defender, um, believe it or not, at his, his ancient age. So, as, as good as Harden has been, he hasn't been great. Uh, we expect greatness from James Harden, and we haven't got it, quite frankly, for the last month that he's been playing basketball. And we see it. It's hurting the 76ers, not necessarily in this series, because they're just better than the they're just better than the Raptors. And that goes credit goes to Joel Embiid because he's played really well in this series. And so so is Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. And James hasn't played bad himself, but he hasn't been the superstar we expect. Um, and Gus Johnson had a great call when he was calling the Bulls game. He called Giannis a supernova. Um, like, and what he meant by that was like one of the best players in the league. That's what James Harden was two years ago. And now this, this guy's fading into not even averaging 20 points a game. It's, I don't know what's going on with James Harden, but if Joel really is as, if his injury is as bad as it seems, this Sixers team is not winning more than one game against the Miami Heat. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there. I'm right there with you because as at a superstar level, we need more from you, James Harden. We need the 25, the 27 points and like the 10 assists on the side, because that's us looking at you being like, okay, you're playing good or no, you're playing great. And that's why they traded you. Or that's why the 76 has traded for you because they needed that greatness to come along to Philly and they needed that extra push where teams can't stop them in the playoffs so they can get towards they can get to the championship and ultimately win the championship because a lot of people were talking about how this duo can be or this duo might not be able 
or might not be stopped in the playoffs. And then you have the argument of who's going to guard who, how is he going to stop, stop him? And all honestly, James Harden's looking like, like Ben Simmons, just pat, just passing the ball, doing his job, but he needs to score more. And I think when he starts scoring more in games that act in games that matter, then that's where the recognition is going to come for Daryl Morley being like, okay, this was a good trade because right now from me, from my aspect, at least it's like, why did you trade all that for James Harden? If he's just going to do, if he's just going to play like an average James Harden. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I would go as low as Ben Simmons because uh, James is, he, he is a really good player, but I, I don't know if I would go as low as James Hart, as low as Ben Simmons but he is only shooting 37% from the field and 84% from the free throw. So he's not quite Ben Simmons, uh, but he's definitely not James Harden. So the Sixers, I think we both agree right now, the state that they're in just, they won't be able to beat the heat, but they'll be able to close out the Raptors, which I would hope because no team has ever lost a three Oh series. Um, and I don't think that the Sixers team is, is going to be the first one to do so, but outside of just the 76ers, um, just a, a quick, actually, we can go into depth because it's how disappointing it is. The new, or not the New York, the Brooklyn Nets, they're, they're down 3-0 to, to the Boston Celtics, a team who Kevin Durant play, uh, played underneath Ime Adoka in the uh, Olympics and said, you're not ready. Boston isn't ready for this or whatever, whatever the quote was. And now they're down 3-0, potentially going to get swept. What are your thoughts? Man, for the people that said Boston is going to sweep Brooklyn, I, I just I just gotta get I just gotta give y'all a round of applause. Like I, I just wanna have a sit, I just wanna have a conversation with you and talk about how you guys came to that conclusion. Because still, right now in this moment, I still think you're crazy of thinking that the Celtics are going to sweep or that the Celtics Celtics were gonna sweep the Nets if you would have said that to me. This is just bizarre to me. And on another note, Kevin Durant has been stopped in three straight games. I don't think I would ever had said that sentence in my lifespan. Like, I just don't know what's going on with Brooklyn. And the trend for both of those games is Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown has been putting, I wouldn't say put the team on his back, but he's been getting Brooklyn off to these fast starts for them to develop those leads. And then Boston would come back, make a whole bunch of adjustments, play defense that's out of this world, shut down KD, shut down Kyrie, and be able to win by the margins that they're winning at. Boston right now is proving to me that not only they can come out the East, but I think this Boston team right now can win the championship. Uh, that person that's, by the way, I remember why we were talking about that person who said that he believes um, Boston was going to sweep Brooklyn. That's actually my roommate, Matt. Um, Shut up, Matt. I do, I do a radio show with him. He also, he predicted the Celtics to, uh, to win the NBA finals. So we'll see. I'm not on that train. I don't think they're going to be able to beat the Heat, but I do think they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But the way they're playing, um, it, it looks like they'll, they'll probably get, uh, get to the NBA Finals. But I don't know. The, the way the Heat are playing, the way the Warriors are playing, 
there's there's those are the only two teams you can really make an argument for over the Celtics right now, though. So definitely not um, a team to just look past, especially after they're sweeping the Brooklyn Nets, who I think there had to be some people who picked them to win the whole series. Um, another interesting thing to note, I was trying to find it earlier. I couldn't find it. Kevin Durant has a PER of eight. Do you know how bad that is? That sounds really bad, like historically bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it ranks historically, but he's averaging six turnovers a game, uh, twenty-two points. But those twenty-two points, eight of them are coming from the free throw line. Um, so if you take away free throws, basically averaging fourteen, um, it's just it's just bad. He's shooting thirty-five percent from two. Uh, you can't really back up the performances that, that Kevin Durant is putting up. Whereas Kyrie, Kyrie's averaging 21 and, or tw- I guess nearly 22. He's also averaging two steals, uh, five assists, only turned the ball over two times. I don't think this is on Kyrie. I think this is on Kevin Durant. Um, and we remember Kevin Durant said, or Kyrie said, I finally have a teammate who, who can step up in big moments. Finally have that teammate who can, who can always make the right play, make the right basketball play. How stupid does Kyrie Irving look right now? He finally has a guy that can make the right play all the time. He had that in Cleveland. Honestly, he had that in Boston with Jason Tatum. Kevin Durant's not cut from the same cloth. If this team gets swept, I think Kevin Durant gets eliminated from any conversation of being top 10 all the time. I take him out of my top 10 if this team gets swept. Unless Kevin Durant puts up a 50 ball and they lose tonight, it Kevin Durant is out of my top 10 and will never return if they lose this if they get swept. Listen, all-time greats lose series all the time. Um, but in this fashion, and the way he's playing, even when LeBron lost in 2011, he didn't shoot 35% from, from the two-point line from inside the arc. Like, LeBron was – he just didn't take a lot of shots. That's that's what happened with LeBron. He couldn't get open looks. Kevin Durant's getting open looks and just flat-out missing. Um, and it's, it's hard to watch. And another thing is – He's not getting anyone else really involved. He's averaging six turnovers a game. It looks like he doesn't know how to – looks like he forgot how to dribble. It's – you stick my uh, – I don't know. You stick my dad out there who's 50-something years old, played college basketball, but hasn't – like he's 50-something years old. He would turn the ball over less than this guy. And Kevin Durant's turning the ball over. Probably shoot the ball better too. But I'm not impressed at all by Kevin Durant. I'm actually extremely disappointed because I think this is a guy who when we did our – top 25 players at the beginning of the season or at the end of last season, uh, both of us had him top three or at least close to that. Um, and it's, he's not, he played good in the regular season. I don't know what's going on. Boston's defense is good, but I didn't think it was good enough to stop what some people call the greatest scorer of all time. It's really disappointing. Boston's defense is more than just good. Boston's defense is elite, elite. And from top Boston's defense is so good because they have more than one person that can defend the scores that Brooklyn has. Yeah, Marcus Smart who can defend. You have Jay- Jason Tatum who can defend. Jalen Brown who could defend. Robert Williams, you get him back. He can defend, and on top of that, he can rebound the ball. Al Horford, as old as he is, can defend. All these guys that I'm naming, add with addition of more, can defend and. We've seen that throughout the series. They have put a literal box, a seven-foot box, over Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant hasn't been able to escape that box. And it's been absolutely insane. I think it's crazy 
for you to take him out your top 10 because I say if he does this again, you can have a conversation about it. But I'm getting I'm getting where you're coming from with Kevin Durant not being able to perform. But I think that goes with how great the defense of the Boston Celtics has been because they make those open shots look open, but in reality, they're they're not open. And Boston's doing really good with their closeouts enforcing those shots, those open shots, you close out and those shots just hit hit the front iron, hit the back iron, so on and so forth. But we haven't seen this Kevin, we haven't seen this from Kevin Durant before where he has struggled this much to the point where we don't even know where Kevin Durant is. And outside outside of that, I think Kevin Durant is still going to be one of the one of the greatest scorers of all time, despite this series. He's going to have some things to prove in this series, but let's not forget Chris Paul, who's in that conversation of top 10 all time in some people's books. He was part of a team that lost four straight games in an NBA Finals. Who, who sorry? CP3. See, CP3 and – I, I can't put CP3 above. CP3 is up there with Russell Westbrook, in all honesty. When you, when you look at just their careers, you'll be like, well, CP3 brought this team there. This He's done this. He's done that. Well, he hasn't won a ring. Um, that's why rings are important. And you don't need – CP3 could have one ring, and he would probably, in some people's minds, surpass Steph Curry. Um, it's just like you don't need to win 11 rings like Bill Russell because Bill Russell's won 11 – and very few people consider him to be the GOAT center. Um, but to be con- that's why Kevin Durant will – and my, I think Michael Jordan and LeBron James are the two best scorers of all time. Kevin Durant is, is right there. He's top five. Um, but but I just – I can't say he's number one. I, I can't even think about him being number one if he's averaging 22 points um, in this game. Uh, and eight of those points are coming from the free throw line. But – We've seen blunders, but the, the type of blunder Kevin Durant's having is from he's shooting bad, he, he's turned the ball over, he's getting cooked when he's playing defense. It's just his all-around game looks bad. Like, he does not look like a superstar. The way he's playing, he doesn't look like a top-20 player in the NBA right now. He just looks bad. Um, I don't think – Kevin Durant, when he has his back against the wall, like most great players, shows up. Um, and I, that's what I expect him to do tonight. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both going to show up probably both score score 40 or, or damn near 40. So I I don't have any doubts about what KD is going to do tonight, um, but he might make me look really stupid. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, because we can't forget, too, that Kyrie had that big game in game one against, um, yeah, against the Celtics, had a 40 ball. The next game, he didn't even touch double digits. So it's like we have to give a lot of credit to how – amazing this Boston Celtics defense is playing against these two superstars because like I said earlier we did not expect Boston to just completely shut down Kevin Durant and to completely shut down Kyrie Irving like yeah Kyrie Irving's averaging 22 but it's not like the easiest 22 that he's getting like he's working for those he's working for that and most of his shots aren't really going in either I have to look at his I have to look at his percentages from his shots, but 
he's shooting a lot of shots and he's not making a lot of those shots. Hence, like he has to get to the he has to get to the free throw line to get what he's doing, get what he's uh yeah, get get the job done, excuse me. And another thing too, Bruce Brown has improved as a player, but I mean, come on, like Bruce Brown having double digit points, more than I think more than 15 points in two straight games on the Brook on the Brooklyn Nets, more, more points at what are more points than Kyrie and Kevin Durant at a point in time throughout during those during those spans of games. That's just absolutely that's absolutely bizarre to me. And Going back to CP3, because the only thing, the only reason I mentioned the finals is because, like, well, it's it's the NBA finals. You're supposed to perform on a superstar level every game because you're competing for a championship, right? Last night against the Pelicans, I'm pretty sure CP3 didn't have any points in the fourth quarter. And if you win that game, you're going back to Phoenix with a 3-1 lead. Yeah, and... Well, CP3, I, where do you have have him currently in the NBA ranked? Uh, see, for me, for me, it's hard. I would say, I would say CP3 would be for me top fifteen. I think he'd be top fifteen because there's so many amazing or there's so many elite basketball players in the top ten that it's constantly switching for me at least every single game. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have Chris Paul even in my – I wouldn't even think about Chris Paul if I was making rankings until I got to, like, 15 probably. So he would probably fall 15 to 25 or some somewhere in there in all honesty. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Chris Paul, you're right. He, he did not really play that well. And – but are, are we really talking about Chris Paul in the same light as Kevin Durant as far as scoring? Because Chris Paul did his thing as, as far as what he's – he won the assist title this year. He didn't win the scoring title. Um, he only took eight shots, whereas Kevin Durant has been chucking up shots. I think he's taken like 18 shots a game, and he's, he's averaging 22 points. That's just not good. Um, you should always probably score a little bit over. If you're shooting nine shots a game, you should probably score over nine. Or, yeah, you should probably score a, a pretty decent amount over nine. Um, and if you're a superstar, if you're shooting 17 – like 20 shots, that's that should be like 35, um, 35, 30 range. Whereas Kevin Durant's just not, he's not getting up there. And I don't know what it is. Truth, truthfully, I don't. I the defense is good, but it is I watch them play. He Kevin Durant is getting open looks. Like when I say open, I don't mean like a guy in his face. I mean he's standing mm-hmm. on a dock trying to throw a pebble into a into a lake and somehow he misses. I don't know. It's it's absurd. Kevin Durant. If you told me I get a million dollars or someone can gut punch me as hard as they want, if Kevin Durant makes a, a driving shot uh, baseline off the glass, I'd be like, all right, he's missed like 12 of those. He's just missing easy shots. Boston's defense is unbelievably good. Um, but Kevin Durant has to score more than 22 points, and he has to do it without getting 115 free throws. So I think tonight – is a legacy game for Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, people are already predetermined about Kyrie, no matter what he did. Kyrie could score, score, break the scoring record, um, could could win more finals MVPs than Michael Jordan, and no one would call him the GOAT because the guy thinks it's a flat earth. Um, But Kevin Durant, 
Uh, a lot of people hold him in high regard, think think he's one of the best players of all time. And personally, I'm one of those people. So this is this is a big game for Kevin Durant, but you can't be a top 10 player of all time if you get swept in the first round while averaging 20, 20 points a game. It's That's not top 10 material. You can get swept, not the first round, and not while you're averaging. If you're doing everything you can for your team, you get swept, whatever, but he's not. Um, so this, this is a legacy game for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, too, because he hasn't played well. And, like, that goes back to the defense because it's not affecting him physically, but it's affecting him mentally, too, with those open shots. Because now he's thinking, well, is this shot truly open? Can I really shoot this? And that's just mind-blowing to me that this Boston's defense is playing like the way that we're describing this defense right now. To me... For Kevin Durant, if they get swept and he plays another bad game, I think we're going to start thinking about putting this Boston defense in conversations that we thought we would never talk about with defense, like being one of the best defensive series that they put up against a single player of all time. Like conversations like that where we think it's crazy, but in reality, is it truly crazy? So hopefully they don't get swept. And shout out to Matt for predicting if they do get swept, end up getting getting swept. Yeah, I, I have a bet with him. I'm, I predicted Mets and – or Buck, pardon me. I predicted Celtics in five, and uh, he pro- he projected Celtics in four. So we have a bet on it. Um, but we'll see, what ha- we'll see what ends up happening. I'm – Really hoping Brooklyn's able to pull one out. Ben Simmons was supposed to play, but who is honestly shocked that he flaked? Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody is. It's just part of Ben Simmons' nature at this point. Another another series though that was this close to being a three-one series. It was played out in Salt Lake City. That uh, game four was Luka Doncic, aka Luka, crumbles in the big moments. Itch did not perform, at least in my opinion. I'm not a Luka guy, um, never will be. And I thought he failed uh, the city of Dallas uh, in their game against Utah. And I thought he's the I – th- no, I don't I don't think – I know he's the reason why the Mavericks are not up 3-1 right now. If Luka did not play in game four, the Mavericks would be up 3-1 right now. And I'm going to stick to that opinion. But what are your thoughts on the Mavericks and Jazz series? Before I go into that, I got to go in on Ben Simmons real quick. I mean, Ben Simmons, this is just pathetic. Like, this is just this is just pathetic. And I get that the stress is coming to you. But what do you think? How or how do you think Kevin Durant feels? How do you think Kyrie Irving feels? How do you think Steve Nash feels? Because now Steve Nash should be on the hot seat. I don't know how he's not on the hot seat. But next year, if this continues to be the same thing, He's going to be on the hot seat. And this is supposed to be your redemption tour to show people that you're all that everything that happened in Philly was all wrong, that you're still one of the top defensive players in the league and you don't have to score. So I don't know why you're stressing out, because at the end of the day, if the Nets lose tonight and Ben Simmons plays, the storyline isn't Ben Simmons cost Brooklyn the series. It's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving getting absolutely boxed by the Boston Celtics. That's the storyline coming from this game. Ben Simmons is not even talked about in this series because 
at least you played and at least you pulled you pulled up and you did your job. All you have to do is play defense. You don't even have to score. So it's just it's just bizarre to me that you go, yeah, nah, bro. I, I don't I don't feel like playing because what have you been doing that's been hurting your back besides besides stressing yourself and stressing yourself over what? You literally just have to play defense. That's that's all you have to do. You don't like I hate to sound repetitive, but you don't have to score at all. That's why they have all these guys around you. All you're doing is playing defense and facilitating. I mean, how hard is that to ask from a player that has done that before, that has been doing that at a great level before? Ben Simmons has just, he might as well just retire at this point. It's just, he's just, I'm trying so hard not to use profanity. So I'm going to just steer clear of that route. But there's just so many adjectives, bad adjectives that you can say from for Ben Simmons right now. But I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just stay away from that. Yeah, Ben Ben Simmons is someone who uh, I'm an Eagles fan, if you didn't know, um, and I'm not a Philadelphia 76ers fan, but I do have a soft spot for him because they play in the same city as the Eagles, just like I have a soft spot uh, for the Phillies. But Ben Simmons is a player I do not care for. I, I I can't stand with, like, listen, Zion Williamson is a different story. With, is a whole different can of worms with what's going on with him. Ben Simmons, a guy who we all presumed was fully healthy um, and just did not want to play for, for Philadelphia. That was the assumption, that he was fully healthy and just didn't want to play for Philly. Um, and wherever he got traded, he would be an impact player right away. And I think Brooklyn honestly thought that as well. Um yeah. And then you get Ben Simmons in the building and you're like, whatever, we're going to make the playoffs. The best he can help us do is get to the sixth seed. Um, is that really going to make a difference? We'll have to play the defending champions. And I don't think we can, we have anyone that can guard Giannis. So why not? We'll just stick with the seventh seed. We think we can beat whoever the one or the two seed is because we will be the best seven seed in NBA history. They get there. Ben Simmons is out game one. Oh, whatever. He'll be back game two. Nope. He'll be back game three. Ben Simmons will not be back game three, but he will suit up in game four. That's a guarantee. John, is Ben Simmons playing in game four? Nope. No, he is not. Correct. Ben Simmons flaked on his team. Uh, it's it's disgusting. If I was on the Brooklyn Nets, um, and they because they will end up losing this series. If I was on the Brooklyn Nets next year, while I was if I was on this team right here right now this year. And I had to play with Ben Simmons next year. I would be like, no way, no way, dude. Why would I want to play with this guy? And you, you can't be like, well, he bailed on us because he didn't necessarily bail because he was never even on the team. This guy's, but this is the guy that's stealing my money. This guy who didn't show up and didn't have our backs is going to come here and try and play and be my teammate now. Like he's, he's going to try after we got embarrassed because that's what the, that's what's happening to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are getting embarrassed right now after all the talk we heard. I mean. The Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers, uh, two of the title favorites going into this season. Lakers already got embarrassed. They had their fair share of fun. But then if the Nets get swept, it's going to be a whole other thing, especially if Ben Simmons, a guy who was supposed to play in in game four. Well, he's supposed to play in game three, uh, but then they push it back to game four, just said, nah, I'm good. So what happens? They win game four. Is he playing game five? I I, I bet you that's what – 
it's gonna be someone's gonna say if the Brooklyn Nets win game four, Ben Simmons is reported to be playing in game five. They're gonna win and he's gonna not play. It's I don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons. And like you said, it's it's hard not to use profanity when talking about him because he he's he's a baby. I like that's that's the best way to describe it uh while sounding professional in some light. Um but yeah, Ben Simmons is is a disgusting uh, representation of what an NBA player should be as far as handling themselves in regards to injuries and uh, their happiness in a, in a certain location, like his happiness in Philly wasn't happy. Who knows what's going on in Brooklyn? Um, I don't even think he knows. He's just happy. He's collecting millions and millions of dollars uh, while he gets to watch basketball in the best seats uh, in the world. Yeah, and then the last thing I'll say is if I'm, if I'm his teammate – I am trying my hardest every single day to not say something that will get me traded off the Brooklyn Nets or an action that will get me traded off the Brooklyn Nets. I'm trying my hardest every single day. So shout out to all the, the Brooklyn Nets players and shout out to the Brooklyn Nets fans for keeping their composure from Ben Simmons. But let's go to this Jazz Maverick series. I mean, the Jazz... The trend for this series is Dallas wins one, Utah wins one. So since Utah won the last one, Dallas is going to win this one. And this game is going to be a game or this series, excuse me, is going to be game seven in American Airlines Arena. That's that's the Maverick Stadium, right? Or is that Miami Stadium? What did you call it? American Airlines. That's that's the Mavs Stadium, right? Or is that is that Miami? Um, I think that's Miami. Okay, so whatever. The Maverick State. Oh, no, no, you're right. You're right. It's American Airlines. Okay, so game seven is going to be at American Airlines Arena, and Utah and Dallas are going to – they're going to battle it out. Because, listen, the Jalen Brunson has made a bigger name from himself, and I just love how this bench is carrying themselves against Utah, and Utah should be ashamed of themselves right now. You have all, you have everything in the world. You have Donovan Mitchell, you have Rudy Gobert, who can out-rebound Dwight Powell every day of the week, including Sundays. You have Bob Donovich, who can shoot the three at an efficient level. You have Jordan Clarkson, who is an emerging player, or who's getting better, or not getting better, because everyone's getting better. You have Jordan Clarkson, who's proving that he is still in that six-man role. You don't have Joe Ingles, but you still have a good enough bench to be able to basically run away with the series. So Utah right now should be ashamed of themselves that this series is tied with the Dallas Mavericks without Luka playing either. Without Luka playing, the Mavericks have been able to win two games. That's just, wow. Man, 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 man. I got the Mavericks winning this series and let alone – I got the Mavericks going to the Western Conference Finals. John, listen, listen to me real close here, man. The Utah Jazz, believe it or not, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell can't play well together. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell hate each other. Rudy Gobert caused the coronavirus. All the rumors coming out of Utah, Utah Jazz are going to the Western Conference Finals. And wait, not only are they going to the Western Conference Finals, John, the Utah Jazz will be – the represent representatives from the West in the NBA Finals. You got to You got to explain that. 
you the, please please tell me your explanation of the Utah Jazz because I know I've said crazy stuff, but I, that's that that line right there is up with some of the most craziest stuff I, I've ever said. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta, no, gotta, I'm actually I'm joking about um, that. Um, you had me on the edge, but I, I do think that I do think the Jazz are going to win this. I do think the Jazz are going to win the series. Um, and here's why. That lob to Rudy Gobert. By the way, look how cool this is. Lincoln Salt Dogs. If you're in the Nebraska area, come visit a Lincoln Salt Dogs game. Um, that lob, that lob, Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert, the game-winning lob, then they jump up and chest bump. That is a series change. We've endless, I'm talking about this, and I'm, I'm romanticizing it, but how can you not romanticize sports? We – that's true. We've seen great moments in sports history. Dame Lillard's step back little, little thing over Paul George. Michael Jordan, game six, push off. Bang. <laughs> LeBron, block on Iguodala. We've we've seen it all. We've seen Ray Allen from the corner. Winds up, hits it. We've seen Shaq break backwards. And now we've seen Donovan Mitchell lobbed up to Rudy Gobert and ignite the city of Utah. Those two men are guys who have been rumored to not like each other very much, not play well together. But then in the moment when you need it, your two best players, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the league and one of the best up-and-coming players, connect for a special moment. And not only is that big for just winning that game, their chemistry, I think, is going to be elevated. I think the Jazz are going to play so well together now. And this could I could be completely wrong, but the Mavs didn't look as good in the games that they did when they didn't have Luka Doncic. And maybe that's just because – Luke is not really my favorite player in the league, and I'm, I'm not a huge Luka Doncic fan. I think he he tries to do a little too much, and he's not as good as people think. He just fills a stat sheet. But if Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are, ha- are having a connection like that, there is no team in the Western Conference that will beat them if, if they are connecting like that. If they're not, the Pelicans will beat them in the next round. But the Dallas Mavericks won't. And the Utah Jazz are, are advancing to the next round. Book it, mark it. Game five going on tonight, uh, and they're going to close it out in Salt Lake City. Maybe. Maybe they'll have to come back for game seven, and that would be crazy. But I I, I got the Jazz winning the series. And game whoever wins tonight will probably win the series just because game five is super pivotal. I think it's like 70% of who wins game fives win the series. So this game is extremely important. Um, I think the team with the with two best players is going to win, um, and that's Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Just because Luca's second star is Spencer Dinwiddie or Jalen Brunson, I just don't think the combo of Luca and one of those guys is better than the combo of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But Luca Doncic might just completely outshine both those guys combined, and that's what it's going to take. It will take a really big effort from Luca. I know the Mavs have been playing really good, so it sounds stupid to say it. I just think the Jazz are going to play really well tonight, especially after the way that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have been connecting. So I I got the Jazz. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell reminds me of Dr. Doofenshmirtz and Perry the Platypus. They, they're arch nemesis, but like they hate each other, but then they like each other at the same time. Like they do, they deal with all their drama just to make the Phineas and Ferb episode be like, man, that was a good episode. But like after that episode, they're like, man, I like, don't even talk to me. Like they're doing what they have to do. And then off camera, they're probably they're probably fighting each other like fanboy and chum chum or like SpongeBob and Patrick. Anywho, I, I just think that that locker that locker room is just too toxic. And 
having a toxic locker room can lead to a lot of distractions, a lot of distractions. And as the lob could have been as sweet as Phineas and Ferb creating something, and then when Candace and or when Candace brings their mom in the backyard, it's completely gone. It can be as sweet as that, but they're just they just hate each other. They just don't like each other at all. And I think that's going to be a really big thing going forward. And Jalen Brunson has been the unsung hero, and that whole Mavericks team had just been unsung heroes throughout this whole series. That I don't think they can be stopped. And I I think this game is going or this series is going to seven. But I got the Mavericks, baby, winning this series. Man, I it's it's tough for me to say because the Mavericks this season have, have been better when Luka Doncic or no, they've been pretty average actually. Never mind when Luka Doncic doesn't play. Um, and we we kind of saw that when they were playing playing the Jazz here, they were um, doing doing pretty well. And so this doesn't count. Yeah, so the they were eleven and ten without Luka Doncic without Luka Doncic this season. Uh, so 11 and 10 is not bad. It's also not great. I just watching them play. I thought that they were better with Luca, at least in this series, they were better with Luca off the court just because, because of the way Jalen Brunson was playing. Cause Jalen Brunson can't play that way. If Luca's on the court, because Luca's so ball dominant. Um, so th- this game, man, it's tough. Cause when Luca's on the court, it's not like he's just chucking up bricks. Like I'm not saying that I just, it was flowing really nice with Jalen Brunson at the helm. Um, I this game's gonna come down to bench. Ooh, what's crack? This <laughs> game's gonna come down to bench bench play. It's gonna come down to bench play, and I think the Jazz have the better bench. They have the reigning six man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. Um, it that's what's gonna come. They don't have Joe Ingles, who was nominated last year for the award as well. But it will come down to bench play. I think the Jazz have the better better bench, and then it's gonna come down to. I, all these Jazz Mavericks games, however many more this series goes, I think are going to come down to the wire. I don't think Luca has the stamina uh, that Donovan Mitchell has. So it's when it comes down to the uh, heavyweights trying to throw haymakers, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be able to outlast Luca in, in the final moments if it comes down to that. I got the Jazz winning tonight and eventually winning the series. And I'm assuming you got the Mavericks winning tonight and then eventually winning in Game 7. Si, senor. But I have a question for you. If you're Jason Kidd, do you keep Luca out and let him get fully recovered and let your and let all the other stars from the Mavericks try to win this series? Or do you keep do you play Luca and just hope that he doesn't re uh he doesn't re-injure or stress the injury that he had? I think was it his hamstring? Um, I honestly don't know what his injury was, but that's a good question. I think he should have done that. Um, but now, now you can't do that. You can't bench. You can't start a guy uh, who's the best player on your team. Quite frankly, one of the best players in your organization's history. Um, you can't let them come back and then bench them. Um, and he didn't play bad. He had, I think, 30, 10, and 4. Like, he, he wasn't playing bad. I'm not I'm not saying he's playing bad. I just don't think when he has the ball in his hands that much, it allows for Jalen Brunson to play the way that he was playing. Um, and not that you won't need Jalen. 
when Luke is there, you don't need Jalen Brunson to put up 30 points. That's what's nice about having Luca. Um, but also let Jalen Brunson spread his wings. Um, but do I, do I think that he should bench him? No. Um, it, honestly, I think he should have in game four. And then if the Mavs lost like they did now and it's two, two, then I would have been like, okay, it's two, two. Luca is probably as healthy as he'll, he'll be. Cause no one you've played sports. I've played sports. We both know you, no one's ever a hundred percent healthy. Um, so he's about as good as he'll get. Well, let's let him run. It's it's tied 2-2. Let's let one of the best players in the world do his thing, whereas opposed to he played game four. I didn't hear any any news that he got uh, banged up or anything, but you never know. He probably did uh, just a little bit, and it might hurt hurt him going into tonight's game. But Luka Doncic and uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be an interesting series because we've seen Donovan Mitchell throw haymakers with uh, Jamal Murray, but he's never fate gone up against Luke, a player of Luca's caliber, uh, in the playoffs when it's a, this close of a series. And this one, like you said, I think it could go seven. And that that's when games get really interesting. Uh, if it goes seven, I think I might give the, the edge to the Mavericks just because it's at home. Um, but I think it's going to, I think jazz are winning the next two. That's my prediction. We'll see. We'll see. Cause I think this has been the best series so far in my eyes as like an entertainment level goes because it's so, it's so even Nah, not take that back. I'll take that back. Definitely, definitely Timberwolves and Grizzlies because of Pat Bev. But yeah, this is going to be a hell of a series and both teams got, obviously both teams got something to prove, but Hey, whoever moves on to the next round, we'll see. Who who would they play at that? Uh, whoever whoever wins the series, who would they play in the next round? Like what series? Uh, they would play the Suns, Pelicans. Okay, so depending on how that series went or goes, both teams look God Almighty. Something something else. They both look dangerous. Shout out shout out Herbert Jones, Herbie, Herbie. Yeah, Her- Herb Jones, one of my favorite uh, rookies in the. Actually, he probably is my favorite rookie period in the NBA. Maybe Io because he's a bull, but yeah, Herb Jones is unreal. Uh, Jose Alvarado, uh, he, he's really good. I think he's being a little overrated by the media hype. Um, like he, he's good, but he's not. They're like, oh, he's going up against Chris Paul. Well, yeah, he's a point guard. Obviously, he's got to guard Chris Paul, but it's not like um, Chris Paul was taking twenty shots and only made two. He took eight shots. Like he he had a bad game. He didn't take that many shots. Um, Pelicans are. Pelicans are good, and if Zion somehow is able to make it back, I think the Pel- I think the Pelicans are going to win the series without Zion, or I think they can. I think they can win the series without Zion. Do I think that they will? I don't know. I think I think this series is as, as is as up in the air as any, uh, just because Chris Paul is still injured, Devin Booker is out um, and won't return, and then DeAndre Aiden's not a guy who can go out and just get you um, forty and twenty. There's really only one guy in the league that does that, and that's Joel Embiid. And Jokic is, is right there as well. Um, but DeAndre Aiden's not that top-tier level of center yet, and he, he won't be able to just completely carry the scoring load like Devin Booker did. This is dangerous for the Phoenix Suns. They're on the verge of being one of the worst 60-win teams in NBA history. I mean, I, before, before I go into that, Another guy can do that too. Don't forget about Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
which I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the league right now. I mean, when you think you stop Giannis, Giannis hasn't been stopped. Giannis is still doing his thing. 25, he has a double-double, getting his teammates involved, and just has to do the bare minimum, and he's looking, he's still looking like a superstar in the league defensively too. I mean, man, the Bucs are still looking still looking scary despite them losing Dante DiVincenzo and a couple other guys from that deep bench that they had, excuse me, from last year. But I don't think they would be the worst 60-win team if they do end up losing this series because it's not like they're getting blown out by the Pelicans. I mean, people could say last last night was a blowout, but that game was close until the end of towards the end, towards the end of the fourth quarter. But other than that, this game, this series hasn't been Phoenix getting absolutely dominated. So I don't think this would, this would fit into a criteria of worse performance by a 60, 60 plus one team in the first round. So th- this season's Phoenix Suns, um, I was trying to find it. I, I wasn't able to do it quick enough. Is not, yeah, I don't want to say anything that that could be incorrect, but it mm-hmm. looks like they would have had the worst finish of any of these, any of the teams with more wins than them. Um, unless, no, yeah, yeah, because the 2008, the 2008-2009 Cavaliers won uh, 66, the Phoenix Suns this year won 64, and those Cavaliers were not good, uh, but they were able to, I think, go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. I just think when you look at their roster, it's not one that really stands out to me, uh, other than you got like Chris Paul, really good player, obviously. Devin Booker, really good player. DeAndre Aiden, really good player. But then the rest of them are just like they're good. I, I will never call an NBA player bad because they are worlds better than I am. Um, but they're just, they're just role players. Um, so this team is constructed mainly on chemistry, and they're missing one of their key guys uh, who brings it every night, and that's Devin Booker. I just don't see a way that the Phoenix Suns are really a threat in the West without Devin Booker. And if they're, if they're able to get out of this series, because the Pelicans are scratching and clawing, if they're able to get out of this series, I, I still believe that they can beat the Mavs or the, the Jazz without Devin Booker, just because uh, how good this team has been for the last two years like this they're no joke i've overlooked them um for the last two years that's that's for sure and i'm still overlooking them i i don't think phoenix is legit um but they are i know that they're good i just don't think they're good enough to win four playoff series which is what you have to do uh to win the nba finals and i don't think they're gonna get out of the second round is, is their longest is they're getting stopped in the second round or the first round they won't get out of the second round Oh, book it, book it, book it, book it. Uh, I mean, the one thing that really sticks out about this team for me is their bench and their bench is going to have to start showing up if Devin Booker is not able to play for, well, he's not going to be, he's not coming back for this series. So in the future, Devin Booker is going to have to step up. He's going to have to do, or not Devin Booker, the bench is going to have to step up for Devin Booker because they're going to play better teams than the Pelicans. I'm not saying the Pelicans are bad, but there's other teams where 
you're going to have more deep defensive assignments to stop when if you go and play the Warriors and all those all those other teams. So we'll see as time will tell with all of these series as the NBA playoffs is just unraveling itself and it's turning out to be a damn good one. Despite for the nuts. Yeah. Um, the NBA playoffs are, are looking really nice. I mean, honestly, I, I wish I could tell you who who's going to win every series, but I don't think I could. Um, even now, other than the Mavs or the, other than the Heat, the the Celtics and the the Sixers, the only and the Warriors, the only teams that you can really guarantee are going to win right now are the teams that are up three one. But like the Grizzlies, Timberwolves, I per- personally, before this uh, series started, predicted the Timberwolves, but. Right now, I whoever's at home, whoever is home court advantage, and that's Memphis. Um, so any of these series can go really any way. Um, Bucks, Bulls, I don't know how the Bulls even won one game the way that they're playing. They look terrible. Um, but this is one of the more competitive NBA seasons we've seen. Honestly, I don't think it's really that like none of these teams really jump off the page at you. Um, and I think that's probably what's best right now for the NBA It's just a season where anybody can win it. All the fans are engaged because if we had the 73 and nine warriors, I know they didn't actually win the title, but everyone knew they were going to the finals. Um, and like if we had one of those teams, it's just not that fun. Whereas this year we have all these teams that are super, super close to each other in skill and record. So you, you don't know who's going to win. I, there are millions of people have made predictions and only a couple of them are actually going to get them all right. And I doubt any of them get them completely right down to the uh, amount of games each series goes. So I'm loving the NBA playoffs so far. And the best time for this is there's so many things in the sports world that are on. We have the draft coming up for the NFL and then the NBA draft, which is not that far away. And then we have almost a NASCAR, but I'm pretty sure NASCAR is coming around. That's, that's coming around the corner too. Uh, baseball, like there's so many, there's so many good stuff going on. And then with the NFL draft, a lot of people are liking Malik Willis saying, I, I saw one thing was he was, some people say that he was a better prospect than Justin Fields. And they said something about Trey Lance, but I forgot what they compared him to being better than Trey Lance. But those two quarterbacks came to mind when they were talking about Malik Willis. So do you think Malik Willis can be the best quarterback in this draft class? Mike, can you still hear me? I don't yeah, I think he has the most – he has the best skill set. and Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I, I think Malik Willis has the best skills I, – I think Malik Willis has the best skill set and um, most potential to be – like his frame's good, his, his arm strength. He can move around the pocket well. The biggest concern with Malik Willis is the competition that he played against uh, at Liberty – that, but then you bring up Kenny Pickett didn't necessarily play great competition. The only one who um, we're talking about is as like a top. I think the first round is only like Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny Pickett, 
Malik Willis and uh, Matt Corral, I think are the only three that people are talking about. Oh, and Desmond Ritter. Matt Corral is really the only one that competition isn't a, like you don't get scared about the competition they played in college. Um, so I think uh, definitely if I were just to pick off, off paper, I would pick Malik Willis as the best quarterback. Uh, and honestly, if I had to pick based off like who they played and how they performed, I'd probably pick, pick Matt Corral. I, but Matt Corral, just the way he plays, I feel like his that's an injury prone, an injury waiting to happen in the NFL. So yeah, I actually do believe Malik Willis can and will be the best quarterback of this draft class. But as you know, sometimes draft part like David Carr went to the Texans and his career never was over before it started. So it it does depend on where you get drafted, um, as well as like who you are. Like you can have all the talent in the world, but if you get drafted. Uh, to to Buffalo, you got no chance of succeeding. No, I agree because they got the top three quarterback in the league at Buffalo. You know, Vaz, Josh Allen, baby. Then on top of that, they had the best backup. Court- no, he is the best backup quarterback in the world. Now he's going to ball up in Pittsburgh. That's that boy, Mitchell Trubisky. You know the vibes. I mean, like, got to stop all this Mitch Trubisky hate. I'm a I'm gonna start a hashtag saying stop Mitchell, stop, stop Mitchell Trubisky hate. I'm gonna make it more creative than that, but it's it's gonna start, it's gonna try. Trust me, trust me, it's gonna try. Also, in breaking news, the podcast is coming to Wednesdays for all for all the people listening. Give us a, a round of applause or be like, yeah, Wednesdays, middle of the week, yeah. I love Wednesdays. Yeah, we're gonna be here Monday and Wednesdays, you know, at the random time. And you're you're gonna see our beautiful faces every, every Monday and Wednesday. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. You get us at the start of the week and the middle of the week. It's one one. How so, much better can it get? Hey, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, like with the NFL draft, though, a lot of a lot of people with a lot of people, or not a lot of people, like some people think that Aiden Hutchinson should not go number one. And the reasoning behind it is they don't think that he has the number one credentials off of this season. And they think Kayvon Thibodeau, or did I say his last name right? I feel like his last name. Yeah, I think it's like Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Yeah. And they think Kayvon Thibodeau should go above Aiden Hutchinson and go first round, first pick. So if I'm the Jags, I'm taking Hutchinson. But if Mike Wood was the Jazz, or not the Jazz, the the Jags, who are you taking number one? I would be taking Evan Neal or Iki Akonwu. Evan Neal from Alabama, Iki Akonwu from NC State. I'd be taking an offensive tackle. Just with the with what the Jaguars need, you don't need Evan Hutchinson. He's a guy who um, I don't think should be the number one. I think he's the most. Actually, no, I don't think. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the most NFL ready. I think Evan or Aiden Hutchinson came out of nowhere, just kind of got a little overrated when he played against the best of the best competition. He didn't really perform. Uh, that that's just what I noticed. But I would pick an offensive tackle if I was the Jaguars because that's what you need. We've seen how off how good offensive lines uh, impact a team and how bad offensive lines impact a team, and that's what uh, Trevor Lawrence is dealing with. He's dealing with a bad offensive line. Uh, very rarely do you have a guy like Joe Burrow who can make it to the Super Bowl 
with one of the worst O-lines in the league, and somehow he did that. But now we see what the Bengals are doing. They're just completely rebuilding that offensive line. Um, and I, I bet you they wish they did that last offseason because they probably would have won the Super Bowl. So I, I think you got to go O-lineman. I think you could probably trade back, in all honesty, maybe get a, like a third-round pick. You could go back to, like, number four and probably get, like, a third-round pick or something along with that fourth pick and still get an Evan Neal or Ike Conwu. I think you go offensive line if you're the Jaguars. But if you told me I could not trade back and I, I had to make a pick, I would actually I would still probably take an offensive lineman just because of what they need. But out of out of the DNs, who do I think is the best? I think Trayvon Walker is better than Kayvon Thibodeau and he's better than uh Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's just more versatile. He can do he can play every position, whereas the other two guys are kind of limited to DN. But Kayvon Thibodeau can play a little outside linebacker as well as Aiden Hutchinson can. But Aiden like Aiden Hutchinson, like I said, just didn't really perform when he played. Georgia, and that's a big concern for me because that was the best team in the country. When you're playing the best team in the country, you want to be able to uh, show what you're made of. Even though they lost, it would have been nice to see him perform. And then Kayvon Thibodeau just has so many question marks about what he can do. And Trayvon Walker, he's he's so proven. He's done it all, played every position on the field. Uh, real intimidating guy. Trayvon Walker would be my number one pick if I had – if my team was didn't need anything at all and I just had to pick the best player in the draft, I'd, I'd pick Trayvon Walker. Speaking of players being picked, if I'm the Lions, because I think the Lions pick right after them, I'm picking Sauce Gardner. Listen, because the Lions offensively weren't that bad. I mean, you played seven, you played 17 games. And I would say out of 14 of those 17 games, they lost by one possession. Like they rarely got blown out of the water. And that's saying something for Detroit. That's a good thing. So when you look at what went wrong for them, I think it was their defense and their secondary because the absence of Jeff Akuda really hurt them a lot as they tr- uh, they trembled down into like the one of the lo- – not the lowest. Or yeah, or one of the highest teams giving up high passing yards in the league last season. So you get a guy like Sauce Gardner who had an exceptional college career and you put him alongside Jeff Akuda, that could really make something special for Detroit. And they haven't really heard the word special since Megatron and Matt Stafford. And before that, Barry Sanders. So if I'm the lines, I'm picking Sauce Gardner. I really, and you know, I, I play DB, but I really like Sauce Gardner. But something in me says that Stingley is, is going to be better than Sauce. There's I something he was in even me in that draft class. Un, unexplained. I just when he was at LSU, he's so dominant. Uh, he was hurt. That's a big concern when you're a DB, and I know that. I just there's something undeniable about undeniable about undeniable about Derek Stingley uh, that makes me love him and. Dick, Sauce Gardner is obviously – he's no joke either. But if I had to pick one of those guys, I'd pick Stingley. And I just – I don't know why. I, honestly, if you ask me to give you one reason in the world, I can't even tell you about like his name more because Sauce Gardner is so cool. Um, he, something about Derek Stingley Jr. just stands off the page. And if I if you told me to pick Sauce over him and give you a reason, I mean, I guess I could tell you the touchdown thing where he's like one touchdown and – 
or no touchdowns and however many catches, whatever that stat is. Um, but Derek Singley Jr. has locked up the best of the best receivers when he was at LSU, um, ranging from his own teammates to guys at Alabama and uh, other SEC schools. So I'd go Stingley over Sauce, but I don't, I don't disagree with you uh, being the Lions going for uh, a uh, defensive back. Derek Stingley is a cool name. Sauce Gardner is a cool name too. Like you, you're walking down, be like, "Hey yo, hey yo, what's good, Sauce?" And then you'd be like, yo, Stingley, what's the word? I think Sting, Stingley definitely rolls off the rolls off the tongue more because I think like if you said, hey, yo, what's up, Sauce? You would just start clowning. You would start clowning whoever Sauce is because like that's such a to me. That's that's like that name is cold. Don't get me wrong. but Like that's it's a funny name at the same time. That's like. Ross like Ross Dumpling. Like, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like as bad as someone named like Ross Dumpling, but like, it's like, like it, may, it makes you laugh. I don't know. That's the, Yeah, I mean, that's hearing weird. the name Sauce makes you think of like middle school, like when people used to like make nicknames for people and they would be like, what up Sauce? Or, or like, I got the Sauce. Like, come on, man. Yeah. And then it's like, it kind of like brings you back to like the days where you would wear like high Nike Elite socks with some 2014, 2013 hyper dunks with like a with like a Nike tee that says just do it. Be like, hey yo, you got the sauce, bro. We're gonna start calling you sauce. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder how he got he's probably said somewhere how he got the nickname. Um, I, I'd love to see it, but also my gardener, you know, that rolls off the tongue, which is his legal name if I if I remember correctly, my sauce gardener. But there's a lot of good prospects in the draft. Honestly, I wish we could get more into it, but I have to go. Um, it's, it's been a while uh, on here. It's been nice talking to you, John. It's been nice talking to the folks, the listeners of 1497 Podcast. I'll let you close it out. Do your thing. All right. See you later, Mike. As always, trust the process. Subscribe to all or subscribe to the 1497 Podcast on all podcasting platforms. Follow the podcast at 1497podcast on Twitter. TikTok and Instagram. We will be back with a brand new episode on Wednesday. You know the vibes. As always, I already said those. Trust the process. Go watch Luca or go sit back and relax and watch a Finney Superb episode because that's exactly what I'm about to do. Catch y'all later. Peace.